I'm Kendra Heil, and you're listening to A Yank on the Footy. Now in its third year, it's A Yank on the Footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 129 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio, and I am thrilled that you're listening. In this episode, I had the distinct pleasure of talking with another North American who has taken her love for footy from Canada to the heart of the game. I was introduced to her by Adelaide and now Canadian-based sport legend Mick Aussie, and I am so very impressed by this young lady's diverse background of skills and talents. I do hope that you enjoy our discussion, and I'll provide links to all of her work in the show notes. Now, don't forget that you can find everything related to the podcast over at my website, yankonthefooty.com. I hope you'll consider checking it out. You can leave me a voicemail there. You can share your views on an issue from a previous episode. Uh, If you've got a question you want to ask, you can do that there as well. You can also get on the mailing list so that when a new episode comes out, it gets into your inbox before it shows up anywhere else. And if you like the show, I hope you'll consider helping it out. Uh, If you want to do that, you can head over to my Buy Me a Coffee page. Also, that's uh, found on my website in the bottom left-hand corner. And if you're interested in any kind of uh, podcast gear, you can find that on my Redbubble page, which is linked there as well. So, without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into my discussion with Kendra Heil of the Essendon Bombers. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy this discussion. My guest today has played footy in Canada, representing the country during the International Cup between 2012 and 2014. She was a member of the inaugural couple of years with the Collingwood Magpies AFLW squad and has been a member of the Essendon VFLW squad for the last several years. I'd like to welcome Kendra Heil to the podcast. Kendra, thanks for taking time out of your morning this morning. I'm glad to have you on. You bet. You bet. This has been a... uh, this has been one that uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to be talking to you because, you know, I, I love talking about stories that are, you know, that are footy related, of course, because of, you know, this game that, that we both love. But then also, you know, there's a whole nother, whole nother side to you away from footy that, um, you know, I'm looking forward to exploring and discussing with you this morning as well. So you, uh, you are a professional artist and you studied art in college, studio art. And you also played rugby in college. Now, those are two things that, you know, that you wouldn't necessarily think would go together. No, no, they definitely don't. Uh, Okay. (laughs) um, I actually had a teammate at at Guelph, though, that she was also in the art program with me. So there was two of us that were artists and rugby players. And it's just a combo that you don't usually see, but it's interesting. Yeah, it's and you you knew from a, a young age that you were you know I'm assuming that art was something that you absolutely fell in love with you know. Uh, actually, my mom thought that I was a terrible artist when I was growing up. <laughs> um, I couldn't I couldn't so color ab- between abstract. lines. I abstract. was very much a, yeah I was very much a maths and sciences uh, girl, and I was meant to be uh, become a doctor, but I didn't wasn't interested in it. So I was like. Applied for art school when I went to university and said, surprise, mom, I'm going to school for art. And I don't think that my parents were initially very excited about that. <laughs> but um, 
they ended up loving it in the end. Well, it, it's uh, you know, and and I I'm going to link to your website on uh, in the show notes here as well. But you know, you've uh, you've done some fantastic work at as you were saying, you know, that, that math and science were kind of your your strong suit, you know, while you were in school. But but you you may not have colored inside the lines, but but did you did you actually like coloring outside of the lines while you were doing that? Uh, I didn't like really think anything of it at the time. And okay. then um, I was like, I was bullied pretty bad in elementary school. And then my teacher, my grade eight teacher, she ended up keeping me inside a lot more and, and getting me to do little art tasks and painting like stained glass on the windows and, and stuff like that. And that made me really fall in love with it. Um, so I'm like really grateful for, for that teacher for uh, taking me in like that. And then I had a couple bad science teachers and math teachers in university. So I ended up just shoving me into, um, into the arts world and just fell in love with how different it can be and how many angles there are to it, whether it's photography mm -hmm. or painting or sculpture, which I really loved. Um, you can just kind of do anything and make anything. And it's kind of interesting. Now you, you, would you say that that, that grade eight, that grade eight teacher was your inspiration for becoming an artist? Do you think they're the person that kind of gave you the love for that? Or was there somebody else along the way also that helped to, in, to inspire you? Uh, it was definitely, um, it was definitely Mrs. Ben Heverbeck, my grade eight teacher that inspired me to get into art. Um, and yeah, so I guess I never really thought about who inspired me to be an artist and, and then, um, yeah, just kept on going with it and trying different things. And we had some really great programs at my high school, like photography, uh, that allowed us to explore rather than just like painting and drawing. Mm -hmm. um, really got yeah. to try a lot of different things. Yeah, we've got the, the, the two art teachers at my high school are right down the hallway from me. And between the two of them, I think they teach, you know, they teach the, the regular art one through four, but they're doing ceramics and they're doing all sorts of other types of things as well. So they, they, they keep adding new courses in. So, you know, you've got, you've got a really great group of kids who are, are just, you know, that, that is their absolute passion. And it's uh and it's a great way for them to be able to, uh, to you know, kind of express themselves there. Um, That's right. Yeah. So, so what artists do you admire? Are there any that you look that you look at them and you go, gosh, I really love this person's style? Or um, yeah, there's there's a few. Uh, a lot of them are more um, like Renaissance painters. Um, Artemisia Gentileschi is one of my favorites. She was a Baroque artist at the same time as Caravaggio. So those really dark, brooding paintings. Um, and she, a lot of female artists back back then were actually swept under the rug their work was often flagged as like so Artemisia's work would be flagged as Caravaggio's when really it was her that was painting it um and then later it was discovered that it was hers and just these strong women that were breaking the breaking the barriers back then so I really admire artists like that and Frida Kahlo um there's probably a lot of uh, information about her in the states um just because she, she, she was down in Mexico and she was just, just such an inspirational woman. She, um, she was in a tram accident and was 
impaled and wasn't supposed to walk again and just fought through it and started drawing on her own cast like a body cast and that's how she became like an artist oh just these really inspiring women um just when people say no they say yes (laughs) i really love that so what what is it what's a typical day like for you in the studio um, well, I work from home right now, um, which is why I work with acrylics because oils and um, and the turpentine and linseeds that you use are toxic. Mm-hmm. I work with acrylics, um, wake up, have my morning coffee. I'm up fairly early, six or seven o'clock every morning. Um, breakfast, coffee, and then get to it. Um, I... If I don't have training that day or if I have like a lift to do, I'll go to the gym in the middle of the day to kind of break it up, come back home, paint more. Uh, I love to cook, so I have to make um, pretty good dinners. And <laughs> yeah, it depends if we have training that night. If we have, if I have football, it's, our training usually starts at quarter to six. So I usually get there around four o'clock, 4.30 to do extra stuff and home by around 10 o'clock. So I'm, I'm there for quite a while. You're busy. Yes, you are busy. So, so when you're, when you're getting ready to, you know, create a piece and yeah, and I was looking through your website and I know you have the, the uh, Sabrina Frederick piece up there and the, uh, the Scott Pendlebury and the um, Brody Grundy and Mason Cox pieces up there. Do you, do you have, do you try to, do you need to seek out permission from, a subject before you paint them or is that something that I, I, I'm not familiar with how that works um so you don't need to have uh, permission from the subject but I get permission from the photographers um okay just because they do amazing work getting those action shots um mm-hmm. so if if, I, if I'm capable of getting it I'll get the permissions but uh because the images are altered enough um to not be like exact replicas, uh, then they're considered their own work. And I'm not mass producing them. Like I'm not making prints okay. and selling. So it's just like a one-off private sale. If I was doing like mass producing or t-shirts or whatever, you definitely have like hundred percent have to have the permissions, but um, it's quite a gray area. And I've had to do a lot of research on it because I don't <laughs> want to do the wrong thing. And yeah, yeah. want to so- do Right, but yeah, have have you run into anybody who has said, "Nah, I really don't want you to to do a painting of one of my photographs." Uh, no, I haven't. They're, well, that, they're usually like pretty flattered, and okay. um, I, I often tag them in them. So I've done a couple of like Michael Wilson's photos. Um, he's one of the main photographers the AFL, and I have like the AFL photos. I have their permissions to use any of theirs. Um, but yeah, so there's a couple of photographers that really love that I do the paintings of their their action shots and like just like the work that they do is unbelievable to get these shots and mm-hmm. the time and and effort and that's why you can never expect them to like give their work away for free, but they often do and they shouldn't and it's just they're yeah, they're I, just amazing. Yeah, I I saw a clip. Um a few months ago and this was after uh mick aussie who's a you know a a staple of sports talk in canada 
um, had, had mentioned you to me. And I, I watched a clip of you working on a piece kind of like up in the loft at the, the SMB yeah. um, facility and then presenting it to the side. That was, that was kind of a really a neat, neat uh, process to watch you undergo that and present that to the club. That was, that was, that was a lot of fun to see that. Yeah, that one was um, commissioned by Andy McGraw's dad. Mm -hmm. And there's a painting of him and it was for his 21st. And so I would be up in the in the loft at the hangar painting it and Andy would be like right down there. So it was kind of cool like working on it and he didn't know I was working on it. Um, and then yeah, presenting it to him was, was good. And then the guys gave him a little bit of a, a jab or two about how I had accentuated his biceps. And <laughs> <laughs> Ask, um, asking but also one of like the nicest people that you'll yeah. ever. Yeah, I have. Yeah. There's a there's a, a gentleman who does a, a another podcast out of Melbourne, and Andy McGraw, I believe, is his, he's a huge bomber supporter, and Andy McGraw is his his favorite player, I think, hands down. Uh, I think he's okay. actually had him on a couple times. So, you know, I I know that you've got a lot of things that you've done that are footy related, but I've also seen a lot of other. Um, pieces that you've done that are up on your website. Do you have a a subject matter that you like working on the best? I do love working on the athletes the most because you get like the, the tension in the muscles and the face and, um, and it's just so natural. Whereas uh, often people like smiling for photos. It's, it's that, that forced smile. Whereas you want, you want the things that are impromptu and natural mm -hmm. happening. Like, um, so I really love working on those. Um, I have, I've been doing a lot of landscapes lately. They're all on my, I haven't been updating my website. <laughs> um, so they're all on my Instagram, but um, landscapes probably are my least favorite. Okay. Okay. They turn out lovely. At the end of them, I'm, I'm like, I, this is really nice. Uh, during them, wow, I kind of miss like painting people. <laughs> yeah. So, so can you, and I, I'm just, I'm just going to put this out here and uh, can you, can you actually spend, can you devote all of the time on painting the people in the piece that you're working on and then go all Bob Ross on the landscape? Oh, I try to keep a little bit of consistency to <laughs> the level of detail amongst it all, but yeah, Bob Ross is my spirit, spirit animal, um, especially when I'm doing landscapes. Yeah. Gotta have those happy little trees. Um, yes, he's... Uh, <laughs> he's fantastic. He was he was a very relaxing person to watch, and I mean, it's just you know you would turn it on you turn it on once in a while. It's just like, okay, I'm going to decompress now, having you know watching him there. So, you you let's go, let's go back and let's talk about uh, your introduction to footy because you you you're playing rugby while you're in college, and how did you how did you discover Aussie rules? How did that come about? Um, so my sister was playing baseball with this one guy and I went to one of their events afterwards and he said, why don't you come try this sport? If you like rugby, the sport's also contact, come try the sport. And I went and fell in love with it immediately. It's just kind of a, um, like a chance, chance meeting. Um, immediately, everybody was so lovely. I was at the Hamilton Wildcats in Ontario. Everybody was so amazing, so lovely. 
great culture and like post post university rugby varsity rugby as it was kind of just going into like beer league and just wanting to meet people and have a little bit of fun and the wildcats were unbelievable like what a great group of people i still am good good friends with a lot of them and very very grateful for my time there now when you when you started playing what was the what was the skill that was the easiest for you to pick up in footy and what was the one that took you a little while to get a handle on um the tackling comes pretty natural from playing rugby for so long uh although kicking the footy was fairly easy kicking it like long just getting mm -hmm. power on it had no problem with that but and pinpointing passes still still learning different techniques and different things to this day like I'm, I'm always still learning with football which is why i love it um but yeah getting getting those nice like 20 meter kicks rather than bombing it long and kicking the space and just all those things it's just so precise um just have to constantly be working on it but yeah okay so you you evidently got pretty good at this because we're talking right now uh so you ended up playing for Canada in the International Cup. And if I'm looking at the numbers correctly, you did that multiple times, correct? I only played the one International Cup. So I played 2014. Okay. And during the 2017 International Cup, I had done my ECL. So I wasn't eligible or I wasn't available to play for that one. And then the 2021 one obviously didn't happen. So right, right. Yeah. So so what was that like when you uh when you played in on such a grand stage because that that was kind of a ramping up of the game in terms of you know competition and that sort of thing how was that experience? it was really really cool the the tournament was is so much fun um all the different cultures coming together and then the competition level was so much higher than than what i had experienced in canada because often in ontario we ended up playing like 12 side on a smaller oval so playing full 18 aside every game was very interesting and a lot of fun and oh it's just one of the greatest tournaments it's so much fun and also like winning first grand final was very cool the only, only grand final i've won yeah um and at punt road and oh what a day that was <laughs> knock, knock on wood right knock on wood that that's uh, yeah. yes more to come more to come yeah hopefully. So, yeah so you know you're, you're playing in canada in you know in in the you know the the Canadian Aussie Rules League, how do you make the transition from that to ending up with the Magpies? How does that happen? Um, so when I got selected for the Canadian side, I was at a point in my life where I, I could ease. I, I was working for myself in Canada, so I was like, mm -hmm. well, why not go to Australia earlier, see if I can get better. So that way I can be a better player for my team when international cup rolls around. So I came over and played for the Eastern Devils, which were just an awesome club. They're my home away from home. And um, ended up being in a couple of those like feature games and got into the, that first women's academy. Um, and I think it just is definitely like 
my fitness and athleticism and not my skills or game knowledge at that point <laughs> that got me anywhere because I didn't know what I was doing when I first got over here. But I was tagging a lot. So I tagged like Beth Yaki and Daisy Pierce and a lot of those players, which is great for learning where to run, but it's also a nightmare because they're so talented. Um, <laughs> but very cool. And yeah, I got into that first women's academy and that was going really, really well. And I was hoping to get selected for that first like Western Bulldogs Melbourne game. And then that's when I did my knee the first time uh, at the beginning of 2016. Um, and then just like a, that fight to recover in time for the draft because the draft was going to be right around when I was coming back from ACL. So mm -hmm. generally they try, you're, you don't really return that until after 10 months, like 10 months is really pushing it. Right, so I didn't right. think I was going to get picked up. And then I was picked up free agency by Collingwood and was, yeah, returning to, to train. So it was really exciting. It was just like this roller coaster of ups and downs and ACL and then not being able to be selected, but then being good to be selected, getting selected, and then three training sessions in, redoing it. So ACL gone again. So it was the same it's knee. just this year of, yep, same knee. So it obviously wasn't fully recovered. And this is, I often like tell people to take your time now because I don't so, want it to happen to anybody else. So of of, um, of yeah. all the people in Australia right now, you you certainly hold a lot of empathy for Izzy hunting in right now. You're 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 yeah. thinking, young lady, I know exactly what you're you're dealing with here. And you're just, you know, you've got your you're giving her your thoughts and prayers as much as you can because it's you know another a tough situation that she's battling through there. Yeah, wow. same with Bree Davies. Yes, yes, again. And, yeah. Um you almost, you almost like have this like ACL club where you're like, you know, everybody's done the ACLs and it's this weird thing when it happens. I don't know if you've ever had a knee injury in sport, but um, it's one of the like longest, one of the longest um, return to sport protocols, um, usually 12 months or more now. And people get so upset because they know that you're going to be out for a year. So then when it happens, everybody's almost mourning. It's almost like you died in a way, like died as an athlete, mm -hmm. like your career is, is done. Um, and everybody mourns you for that first week. And then after that, those first couple of weeks, it's like you don't exist again. So these everybody that's done these ACLs often like get around each other yeah. and create chats. Or, and I, I have to say, though, I have to say I was – and I talked about it in, in the episode after it happened, but, you know, seeing Brie Davy back out on the ground the day after she had hurt her knee with a brace on her knee, you know, working with her teammates, you know, handballs and that sort of thing. I, that was, that was kind of one of those things that I, I, it, it just looked like it was one of those inspirational things that could help to rally that club going into the rest of this season and, and and of course the way they played the last couple of rounds it sure looks like that's the case yeah i mean like as a leader I, oh brie davy is just an inspirational person all around she's unbelievable she's talented she's one of the nicest people that you'll ever meet um and also an amazing leader gets around people but it's like one of those things where you kind of want to just crawl into a hole and 
you know, cry about it or or mm-hmm. or deal with it in your own way, but you know you need to be out there. You know you need to be out there for your teammates. And you need to be out there for yourself because right, you don't right. want to fall into that hole. Um, but uh, yeah, and and also physically, once you've done the ACL, you can't really do much worse damage than that. Mm-hmm. So it's all right to be out there on the brace and it's, it's good for their mental health, good for your team's mental health. Yes, absolutely. And she's just She's just doing all the right things. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it looked, it looked very, very, but it's also okay for anybody listening. If you do your ACL, it's also okay to not do those things. It's okay to not be okay. Um, You don't. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. So you, you've been with the bombers VFLW side for the last few years. And uh, you know, can, you know, that club is joining the AFLW next year along with you know we're finally getting sydney and port adelaide and hawthorne in there as well can you and and maybe maybe you can answer this but if you can can you kind of pull the curtain back a little bit and tell us about what's going on in terms of the preparation to get the club ready to make that jump for next year um so we're trying to treat everything like it's aflw right now so the training standards have lifted um, instead of two lifts a week, it's three lifts a week. Um, instead of two training sessions a week, it's three a week now. Plus, like, well, in preseason, it was three sessions a week plus a running session on the Saturday. So it's basically four a week plus those three lifts. Mm-hmm. So it's very intense. Um, and yeah, lifting those training standard, standards, vision. So you're like, you're going through vision a lot. The coaches' standards are lifted as well. Everybody's just doing everything that they can to make it AFLW ready. Um, so that way the transition is smooth and any players that get selected from our squad or any that gets selected from elsewhere, they can just slot right into the program and not have to worry about that quick lift, which is when you do get a lot of those injuries like ACLs, when, when standards lift too quickly. So, um, our club has just been doing an amazing job at high performance physios and stuff are just on top of everything. Like we have to fill out like wellness every day and we have to do like rehabilitation stuff every day, whether it's like for me, obviously I do knee stuff and we have like rolling and ice baths and you just you're doing everything possible to take care of your body. And, and if you don't know how to do that as like a, 17, 18 year old, 19 year old coming in, mm-hmm. we have education programs. So we have Zoom meetings to sit on in on. Um, Huddle is a program that we use to put up like videos. So we have videos to watch on nutrition and um, doping. So that way you don't put the wrong things in your body. So it's just. Right, right. It's, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot, um, but it's a good a lot and it's a lot of fun too. Now, now you're, 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 you're kind of walking both sides of the street right now. Cause you're still playing, correct? Yeah. But then you, you also mentioned that you are beginning to explore your, now your coaching career beyond your playing days as well. So are, are you, are you hoping to, you know, to be on the side next year? Once the, once they join the comp, is that, is that your goal is to be part of the, the AFLW side once the uh, the club comes in in 2023? Yeah, so um, 
I'm just so in love with the SNN program that I'm doing anything that I can to be indisposable. <laughs> um, so like doing the, the coaching, um, and so I've done the, doing my level two coaching right now and hopefully starting a coaching gig for like a, a girl's side soon. And yeah, I just, um, I just like really, really love Essendon and my time there. Like it's just my favorite place to be. Mm-hmm. So if we have to be there three days a week, that's great. Like I'll be there. Um, so yeah, anything I can do to be there um, coaching, I think that eventually I would like to, to coach. Um, I'm not like aiming to be like head coach or anything like that. Um, I just want to learn as much as I can and just be there and pick their brains and, and just keep being around elite level footy because it's an amazing place to be. Okay. So, you you know, we talked a little bit about this off air here, but you know, you, you mentioned on your, your website that you're, you're, father had passed away while you were in college but but you still look at him as being an inspiration not only in your art but also when you step out on the ground to play footy what 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 is it that uh and and can you share some of the things that that he kind of instilled in you that that you bring with you when you you put the boots on and get ready to head out there yeah, so my dad was always really into sports. He never really played sports, but he loved like statistics and loved watching sport. Um, and so he would drive me to all my training sessions as a kid, all my games. He'd be at everything, and he coached me a lot as well. Um, and like, oh, I'm very, very lucky to have had um, such supportive parents. And my mom was always there watching when she could. She was a shift worker with as a nurse, so like she did whatever she could to be there as well. Um, but dad just loved it and loved stats. He would have loved footy. He never got to, he never even heard of footy before he passed, but mm-hmm. he would have loved it, loved the statistics, like, loved the game. Um, and so he's very inspirational in his commitment to it and his commitment to me. Um, and then also just instilled a lot of like the values of when you do commit to a team, like that you're, you're there. So um I did my first ACL because I've done three total um I did my first when I was playing soccer uh like way way back and I didn't want to go to training anymore I didn't want to be there like I don't get to do anything mm-hmm. why would I want to be here and did he lay into me that night about <laughs> <laughs> commitment and it, it doesn't matter whether you're you're playing or not you're there for your team and you need to support them and it's what like a good person does is that you commit to something you you, you signed up for the season. Like, that's just what it is. And injuries are not, you expect like injuries happen and mm-hmm. that's part of it. And you need to figure out other ways to be involved. And yep. yeah, that was like one of the biggest lessons that I learned from him. That's, yeah. that's a great tribute to him. And that's, uh, it's, uh, you know, and he, he sounds like a heck of a guy to get you everywhere you needed to go. And it's like, and if you're playing, if you're playing rugby in college, that meant that you were playing at a relatively high level when you were younger, which, yeah. which meant that, which meant that you were, you were putting a lot of kilometers on the car between where places you were, you weren't driving, you weren't necessarily driving to games that were, you know, six, eight, 
kilometers away and you were playing that game there and the other one was four kilometers in a way you were you were probably putting hundreds of kilometers a week on the car weren't you yeah, yeah yeah and it was wasn't just like prior to to varsity it was also like in high school I played rep soccer rep basketball mm-hmm. volleyball um so yeah we were just all over Ontario and and just everywhere with it and so yeah just always on a road trip and dad would always take me and we'd always have a couple of other girls in in the van with us and yeah just everywhere so did you uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you this question because my son did this you know playing travel baseball did you get a lot of your homework done in the van um i don't actually even remember doing work in the van i always was always reading okay in the van, but um I don't ever actually remember doing homework in the van, but like I always did my homework. So yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, never had a problem finishing schoolwork. So that was all right too. Okay. Okay. So somehow I managed <laughs> the varsity rugby and like honor student, which is a miracle when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wanted to get into a couple of, uh, you know, questions to kind of, you know, you know, help, you know, Essendon supporters, which I'm going to share this up on their their social sites and that sort of thing to try to help them get to to, to know you a little bit more. Um, but uh, you know, Melbourne has kind of been ground zero of good and bad over the last couple of years with regards to COVID. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come down on either side politically. I teach high school government, but I'm not I'm staying above above the fray here. But uh, what was the worst thing about the lockdowns for you? I think the worst thing with the lockdowns was watching people I care about struggle with their mental health. Um, because all in one way or another, everybody was was doing it tough. Even if they had worked, they had work to do, or if they lost their jobs, or anyway, it's just hard being cooped up like that. And because we had really, really strict. Um, like a lock, really strict lockdown here where we couldn't leave like a five kilometer five radius. Five kilometers, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I was lucky to be like close to a beach and to a lot of parks, um, although half of my five kilometer radius was water. But um, yeah. um, that, that was like, um, that was the hardest to just watching people struggle and, and trying to find ways to connect. And this is like the only way you could do it was on video chats and, or going for a walk with a mask on and it's um yeah thankfully we have great coffee culture here so getting a coffee and going for a walk is all right yeah that's, yes, that's well i'm i'm having i'm having my last cup of coffee right now as a matter of fact here but uh so were there any positives that came out of the lockdown um for me i thought i was going to be absolutely like screwed with like nobody's going to want to spend money on artwork but I think everybody was sitting at home looking at their bare wool trying to spend their scomo dollars so I was able to get quite a few um uh quite a few commissions and I was pretty busy during that time um yeah and I was lucky to have like a really really awesome housemate that like we connect really well and got to spend a lot of time with and I think 
getting out and exploring the parks in the area was also helped for me. Um, a lot of really, really nice places to go for walks and and get out in nature and wasn't like nature nature like the outback right, or right. The but like the parks around here are just unbelievable and melbourne is really nice for that kind of stuff now there, there's a there's a running joke that you might have heard you know that they that they say that the americans and british are two people separated by a common language uh, you know, both speaking English, you know, I, I think the same thing you could probably factor in, you know, you could, you could switch these around British, Canadian, American, new, you know, Kiwi, Aussie, that sort of thing. You know, so what was the most eye-opening thing that you discovered as you settled into Australia a few years ago? What was the thing that you just kind of went, whoa, and you had to take a step back that, uh, you weren't expecting that, or it was a lot different than you thought it was going to be? actually i think it's like it feels pretty similar to canada except for maybe the the weather um maybe just like a lot of the language that they use especially in sport when i was first playing footy listening to the coach talk what what was that <laughs> <laughs> i didn't understand any of the words that you just said or any of the language you just used and they talk so quickly and i couldn't understand it um but other than that like the food pretty similar and people are like so lovely it, it was pretty interchangeable okay okay so is there anything that that you've looked at and you said wow australia does this better than canada does work-life balance um okay. so in in canada and i think probably the same in the u.s you you live to work so a lot of people that I know have two jobs or they, they're like proud of, I did 60 hours this week. Mm -hmm. Everybody's like, Oh, wow. Like good for you. Whereas here, if you, I did 60 hours of work and they're like, why, <laughs> why did you, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, everybody here, like you, you work to live. So you make, you make the money so that way you can go do the fun things and you can enjoy the sport. That is just like, that's, that's a great so awesome point. In Melbourne and the food and the like the festivals, the culture, the art, everything is just amazing in Melbourne and Australia. So I think it the work-life balance is a lot better here. Okay. So uh if you're not involved at something at the hangar and you're not, you know, in your quasi-studio since you're working from home, how how are you spending your time? Ooh, I love um, I love going to the pub for a beer and love to find food trucks. So food trucks anywhere or just food anywhere. I like love good food. So that's probably where my budget goes on a weekly basis is food. Okay. Um, what's, yeah. <laughs> what's 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 the best one that you have found recently that? There is um. We do this thing called meat stock here where it's just like all the, like the smoked meats and like American style. It's not like as good as it is in America, but they're trying very hard to, to get it right. So there's um, a food truck called Limp Brisket and um, love their their brisket burger. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I'm going to have to, I'm trying to remember the name of the album, but it's, what is it like a something, something like hot dog flavored water or hot dog something. I mean, was there a Limp Biscuit album? It was something, the title of it was something like hot dog water or something like that. I'm, 
I'm drawing a blank on that right now, but hopefully it doesn't taste like that. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, so, you know, you talked a little bit about the things that inspire you already, but what concerns you? Ooh. What concerns me in terms of my art or my footy? About anything, about art, footy, about life in general. Just, you know, spin the wheel and throw the dart and see what... <laughs> yeah, well, I think, like, footy-wise, what concerns me is, like, how long is my body going to hold out? So what's the longevity of, of this? How much longer can I do it? And what do I do after footy? So I'm going to have to compete somewhere or another. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'll go crazy. But what will I compete in? Um, okay. So it's always just like looking at, am I going to try CrossFit? Am I going to try Jiu-Jitsu? Or um, trying to figure out something that I can do that uh, doesn't take the toll that footy does. Um, and then art-wise, it's always just what's next. And, and is it is this like... A career that I can continue to do and do people like it and and just always worrying about those types of things so I guess mm -hmm. those are what concerns me. okay okay that's those are some great answers so where do you see or where would you like to see the AFLW in the next decade I know that the, the comp is kind of laid out their goal that by 2030 you know, they want to be, you know, a full-time game and, you know, that sort of thing and have full-time employees, if you will, players and such. But where would you like to see the, the game in the next decade? Um, I think it's on the right track. I'd like to, I definitely like to see the players being able to have that full-time role just because it will decrease, it'll decrease injuries and things like that. And then also just, um, the quality of life will be a lot better. So I don't know if you've seen um, AFLW just put a post out about Stacey Livingston. The last like 23 games, she's played 100% game time. Wow. And which is impressive. And then when you realize she actually works shift work and she's up at four o'clock in the morning to go to work and she's out there and then she finishes at two o'clock and then has to go home for a quick nap and then get to training yeah. and is at, the, at Collingwood from probably four until 9 p.m. Like, and then has to get up again at 4 a.m. Like mm -hmm. when you consider those types of lifestyles that they're trying to live, it's, it's, it's exhausting. Yeah, yeah. There was, um, a, there was a great article recently uh, from Sarah Burt, uh, who I'm, scheduled to have one i haven't confirmed a date yet but she's going to come on the podcast to talk about the women's comp uh and and where she, you know how it's going and where she sees it going as well but it, it's just that work-life balance is is uh you know work and footy balance i should say which is kind of what you were mentioning before about you know the whole you know work to live live to work sort of a thing but you know this is something that 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 these these young women have you know they have a passion for this game and in, in it, you can't really hit the, you can't hit the fast forward button and go five years ahead and, you know, have, have the game established. Yeah. And as, as great as that would be to be able to do that, you know, it, it's not at that point yet, uh, but it, it's, yeah. it's getting there. And I, you know, I've, I, I can, I can proudly say that, you know, I've, 
let's see they they only played five games this weekend so far because it's another one tomorrow or tonight i should yeah. say um so yeah. i've watched all all 18 games that have been played in the aflw i've watched all 18 of them so far so i mean I'd, i'm uh i'm you know, this is uh this is this is how i spend my time is watching footy and 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 talking about yeah. it it's just it's yeah, and I mean, like, if you if you actually like knew how many unpaid hours, mm-hmm. or if you I guess if your salary if you spread it out for how many hours that not just the players but the coaches and the staff, like the, how late they're there and how mm-hmm. how much time do they spend watching footage? Like the coaches I know um, are just putting in so much time for so little financial reward, but they just they love it. Um, and especially like the ones that aren't using AFLW as a stepping stone. So I know our coach is like that, Brendan Major. He um, he's a doctor, so he he's a um, he's a doctor in neuroscience. So he studies concussions. Wow. And he is coaching our AFLW or our not our AFLW side, our VFL side, um, and puts in an immense amount of time, and then as a doctor during the day and on weekends and is, is doing the VFL gig for, I don't know how much, like it's not that much for, for money. So he's doing it. Yeah. He, he loves it. Yeah. And, and it's not just him. It's heaps of coaches are doing that kind of stuff. So you just have all like, you have this respect. I know I do. I have this respect for them that they're just, they're doing it because they love it. And they do it because they, they care about us. Um, and so if they look a little bit tired, that's probably why, yeah. well, um, it's just amazing. And, and, you know, in many ways, and I, and I've talked with other people about this in many ways, the, the women's comp right now is, is many ways what the, it kind of what the VFL was like before the game exploded where, you know, the, the players had a regular job and this was kind of their, their side gig that they did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, I'm hoping that that gets to the the point where that is not necessary for people anymore, that they're able to, you know, that, that, that they, maybe they work that job in the off season if, if they choose to do so, but it, but it, yeah, I, I hope that it happens, you know, I, and I, I, I wanted to ask you this and it's uh, what, you know, cause there are a lot of people who have not yet, picked up the the mantle of of watching the women's game and you know why why should can i ask you why do you think they should be watching this game at this point in time well i think that first of all when they watch they should watch with an open mind it's kind of like when you watch a a stupid comedy you don't go in expecting it to be an emmy winner you you go in watching it for what it is it's it's going to be fun it's going to be exciting when you're watching AFLW, you're not expecting it to be like 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 super super fast paced and smooth flowing with like very little like contest contest uh, contested work. It's going to be on the ground. It's going to be rough. There's going to be some big hits. Like the girls mm-hmm. go in hard. So you have to take it for its own own sport at the moment. And as they once they get full time gigs. Like their skills will get even better and then it'll be a little bit more free-flowing. Um, but I go in, I'm like, I see like 
Adelaide playing North Melbourne and like, you know that it's going to be a tough game. Girls are putting their bodies on the line. It's going to be exciting to watch. And, and that's like what you, what you expect. Um, yeah, and, and this week is going to be, um, is a tremendous, and I haven't, I, I looked at a couple of the games here because I think all the four, the four unbeaten teams play each other this week. Um, yeah, because uh, Melbourne and Adelaide play as well as uh oh did they change it around um what the heck happened am i on round 10 i'm looking at round <laughs> four here um yeah uh collingwood and Fremantle play oh, and uh melbourne and adelaide play i mean that's gonna be that's gonna be must see tv right there and the the uh the adelaide and melbourne game is an 11 o'clock at night game for me so that's uh i'll be up watching that one live um, oh, those will be really good matches. Oh, they're they're going to be tremendous. I mean, I I and I I've I didn't tip Fremantle to make the finals this year. I tipped them seventh, and I think they must have listened to that episode because they took it personally. Uh, <laughs> they have they're been, tough. Uh, they're oh, so they, tough. Yeah, they are. They just it's I, I just I, I I love watching Kira Bowers play. It's just she is just. Yeah she's a beast out there but even like the other sides that haven't done as well so like like St. Kilda or Richmond are mm -hmm. now holding out for about three mm -hmm. quarters yeah um yeah. and then they, they kind of fall down in one of the quarters but they're doing a lot better this year so the competition is gonna keep getting better well, well you can you can well you can you can tell which club I support here uh, being a cat supporter. So yes, it's, you know, we're, we're I'm looking a cat for, supporter as well. Oh, well, there you go. So yeah, we're, we're looking yeah. for those, uh, those, uh, positive things, you know, at the end of games, you know, haven't won, but you know, did a lot of things much better than they did at this time last year. So, yeah. Uh, and wait till you see, um, the younger press office get, yes. uh, get comfortable. So she was mm -hmm. with us at a and she's just unbelievable. What a good kid. Yeah, she seems yeah, having watched it. And again, I that part is mind boggling because you know, I teach mostly 16, 17, 18 year olds. And just seeing, you know, the the, the kids, even in the men's comp, but in the women's comp as well, go, you know, going into that game as 18 year olds, that's just is that that right there is just kind of hard to wrap your head around, you know, somebody here in the States that's watching that. Yeah. Well, on on the topic of the, the kids coming through, um, so the like the last year or so are like the first crop of of kids that have been playing since they mm -hmm. like since they were since they were little with like no break right so the ones that are coming into like our program at Essendon now they're just unbelievably talented and smooth and just read the play really well whereas I'm like so robotic and trying to figure out what I'm doing all the time and I have to really think it through they just do it naturally it's natural. And, oh and then once like the competition is full of that like just wait it's yeah this this you could see it you could see an x you could see an exponential jump in terms of the, the quality of play you once yeah. that happens because you know again you're going to have what 35 35 people on the list so that's another 140 people coming into the comp next year you know, if there are, yeah. you know, if there's 140 players who have played at that level, you're a good portion of them. I think we're, you know, we're going to see, you know, that, that skill level jump up because, you know, when they brought in, you know, when Geelong came in and a couple of the other clubs came in over the last year or two, 
they may not have had the the, the people you, know, you had people coming in from playing cricket or netball or soccer or rugby or coming in from having played Gaelic football that they're having to get up to speed on this particular game, kind of like you did when you first started playing. Yeah. And once that once they well, get there are still some amazing cross coders that are coming mm-hmm. through. Um, like like the Irish, any of the Irish girls that come over, Gaelic football translates so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just like that that craving, that thirst to play that is is driving this um, these cross coders to they find out that they love it so much. So then their skill level is just shoots through the roof because they just want to absorb everything. They're like little sponges and <laughs> so talented. Okay, I have one last question for you here before we wrap up. In 25 or so years, you decide to sit down and write your autobiography. What do you think the title of it might be? Oh, oh I don't know. The, the 30-year-old with 70-year-old knees. <laughs> so I don't know, probably something like like um maybe like yeah something about regarding artwork and and sport like what my website is like the painted athlete something like that okay that's not that's not bad that's not bad all right so ladies and gentlemen good ideas you let me know <laughs> oh, well you know i i i actually i interviewed a uh a gentleman who plays on the 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 team out of Richmond, Virginia, who's a, he's a, uh, he's a psychologist, but he, he works in, he's, he's a military officer and, um, he's an experimental aviation psychologist. And I asked him that question and he said, well, I wouldn't title the book first. I would write the book first and then, and then come up with the title after I wrote it. So I came back with him and I said, okay, what do you call in chapter one then? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So ladies and gentlemen, my, my guest has been Kendra Heil of the Essendon Bombers and uh, Kendra, where can listeners check out your work online and where can they follow you and check out your work there as well? Uh, best bet is probably my Instagram. So it's Kendra underscore Heil. Um, my website has my old stuff, but I haven't updated it in a while. <laughs> um, probably my Instagram is the best one. Okay. All right. So I appreciate you taking time out of your morning. I, I wish you the absolute best this year. Thank you. It's been, this has been a lot of fun. I, uh, I hope it was, uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed it as well. I did. Thank you very much Terrific. for having me. You bet. You bet. And a huge thank you to Kendra for being so generous with her time. Most definitely a talented person with a very, very bright future in front of her. And again, Mick, Thanks for suggesting that I reach out to her. This was a a terrific uh, conversation and just love seeing the work that she has created. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that you can reach me over at my uh, website, yankonthefooty.com, or by email at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. Also, you can find me on Twitter at yank underscore on and on Facebook and Instagram at yankonthefooty. If you haven't done so yet, I hope that you'll sign up for that mailing list that I mentioned at the start of the episode so the new episodes get to you as soon as they come out. Sometimes it takes three or four hours, sometimes a little bit longer for the new episodes to matriculate to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening because uh, you know we're fans of our clubs and uh, 
there is that uh, kind of inherent respect that you have for for other clubs and that and that type of thing. But this is a game that we all love. And if you're enjoying the show, I do hope that you'll consider sharing a link for the uh, the show or your favorite episode of the show and put that out on your socials to be a huge help. You know, one of the things that I've got coming up here in the coming weeks is a series of interviews that I am conducting with supporters of all 18 clubs. I have, I believe, 16 of the 18 clubs lined up right now, and I've conducted the interviews already for, I believe, 13 of those 16, so I have a few more that I need to conduct, but then I'm still looking to line up a uh, supporter for a couple of clubs yet, but those are going to be coming out uh, a couple episodes a week between now and when the uh, men's comp begins here in just about a month, and I can't tell you how excited I am about that, but you know that's not to say that I'm you know, discounting what I've watched this year in the women's comp, which has been absolutely terrific. And I've got a couple games here to go back and watch yet from round seven. So I'm going to be doing that a little bit later on today before I go back to work tomorrow. But folks, I do appreciate your continued kind words and support. And as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 129 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com and check out the website ayankonthefooty.com. And as always, thanks for listening and please consider sharing the episode with your friends and family. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>